Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Hey, get your Bibles out. Turn to 1 Timothy. We are wrapping up a series. We are, but we aren't. We're wrapping up this series. Um, next week, it's going to kind of be the culmination of everything. So on the 4th, come on out. It's going to be a great service. Really, we're, we've been talking, and we'll talk today for four weeks on the, t- uh, the topic of generosity. In fact, it's important for us to talk about it. We need to more than we do. I was talking to my brother. He pastors uh, Arbol de Vida, our sister church in Leon, Guanajuato, Mexico. And, uh, you know, talking about, you know, how um, the Bible has so much to say on this topic. It's impossible to really, I I found it very difficult. I always have more material than time on Sunday for this. Um, But the Bible talks about it and probably more than any other topic because the, the topic of generosity, money, and giving really is a touchy one. In fact, if you were here last week, can I just say thank you for coming back? <laughs> because we, we talked about the tithe, and that just seems to rattle people's cage. You get, the, you know, get them a little fired up a little bit. But it's important to see what the Word says. Amen? We need to know why we do what we do and according to the Word of God, and not by, go by, by what men says, men does, or circumstances. And let me say it this way. Even if you have been a tithe your whole life and believe and agree with that, you need to see it in the Word for yourself. And even if you don't, and you don't understand it, or you don't agree with it, and I totally get that, it's been used and abused and mistaught and all kinds of things, personal gain, I, I wish that would never happen, but it does, unfortunately. But hear it for yourself again. So we've asked you to come to the series in its entirety, and if you can't, then go back and listen to all installments, and then it paints a bigger picture and context for you then to see what God's asking of you. And so we're looking at the Word, and in doing that, let me say this before we dive into today's Word. When you're looking for interpretation of the Scripture, there's only one thing that can interpretate the Bible. Bible, and that's interpret the Bible, and that is the Bible. Okay? So the Bible will always interpret itself, and it will do it. It will support Scripture, old and new. It will support itself, reveal itself, and it's how God set it up. It will never contradict itself. And so I just want to encourage you in that. When we talk about the Scripture today, you go and study it out further for yourself, but the Bible will also have supporting Scriptures around. You can't build a doctrine on one Scripture, and the Bible always supports itself. So I just want to encourage you in that. So 1 Timothy 6.17 is where we've been. Let's start there today. Here's where we get kind of our foundation for the Scripture. It says, uh, Paul wrote a letter to Timothy. Uh, Timothy's the pastor of a church, and Paul's speaking to him to tell his congregation. He says, hey, command those who are rich, rich meaning those who are blessed, we believe in this country, the poorest of the poor here is, is more wealthy than the majority of the world. So the, the, the text was written to anybody and everybody. So we are among those, I believe, that these, he's speaking to. Those who are rich in this present world, not to be arrogant or put their hope in wealth. Understand your hope is going to go somewhere. And somewhere is your hope going to go. And it's either going to go in wealth, the Bible says. And don't put it there, which is our tendency and which is what the world says to do. Don't put it there because it's so uncertain. It changes constantly. But put your hope in God. Because unlike wealth, which is uncertain, God is certain. He changes not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Who richly, and oh, by the way, he richly provides you and I with everything and for our enjoyment. And I just don't like the teaching that says in order to honor God and really to be holy or really be, you know, a servant of Jesus, you have to be poor and broke. I heard a pastor say one time that he was at a church and they gave him uh, they gave him a love offering. They showed him a lot of love and kept the offering. You know, it was, like, it was like this idea that, you know, we'll keep you humble or we'll keep you. Can I tell you, God wants his kids to be blessed and prosper so they can be a blessing. 
And there's a reason for it. There's a reason why. God wants to get his word out. He wants to use you as a light. He wants you to reflect who he is in this earth. So he wants to bless you to be a blessing. And then he says, command them to do good. It's not just about money, but make a difference in someone's life. Serve them, love them, do good deeds, be rich in good deeds, and be generous. And here's our word, be willing. Willing speaks to the internal motivation. And we focus too much on the external obligation. I believe that's the wrong filter at times. So the internal motivation, be willing to do this. In this way, when you do it with a right heart, you lay up treasure for yourself as a firm foundation for the age to come, storing up treasures in heaven for whatever reason. The Bible says we're to store up treasure in heaven. That means that eternity, which is a whole lot longer than this temporary earth, that there's things that we're going to enjoy from the treasure that we send on up ahead. And then he says, and you will enjoy or take hold of the life that is truly life. So when you're generous and following the principles in God's word for generosity, not only is it going to bless you when you're in heaven beyond just being there, but also, you're going to be blessed while you're on the earth. God, God has it all covered while you're there and while your time here. And I love that. God takes care of it all. Let's take a look at Matthew 6, 21. We talked about this last week. What is God most interested in your heart? And here's what Jesus said. For whatever reason, God tied your heart and treasure together. There's a cord tied to it. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, that obviously brings a bit more understanding to this passage of in First Timothy, where it says, don't put your hope in wealth, put your hope in God, because wealth is uncertain. There's a place that our heart needs to go, and the Bible says that where your treasure goes, your heart's going to follow, because we understand that there's that wrestling there. There's that, that thing, and let me bring greater clarity, Matthew 6, 24, just a few scriptures on. It says, no one can serve two masters, because either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Isn't it interesting that God says the only thing that really competes with worship or with their attention or love or whatever is money. As we might throw some other things in there, if you will, and we might think, well, what about this? What about that? But the word says that really the two things that compete for you, for your heart, let's say, for your honor, for your worship, for your dependency, for your trust, something that you rely on is either God or money. And that goes back, are you putting your hope in wealth or are you putting your hope in God? And so we have to understand that there's an there's a inner war that goes on at times. And so what happens is sometimes we think we're somewhere where we're not. And if I was to ask everybody in this room, hey, who's first in your life? Is God first in your life? And we'd, all, we'd almost all say, yeah, God's first place in our life. But if I was to ask God if he felt like he was first in my life, I might get a different answer. I'm just going to be honest with you. And I was contemplating that and getting ready for the message today, and I wondered the reality of, of what God would think is important, and how do we show God? Well, he knows, you know, and stuff. And so it's important for me to constantly show and tell my wife that I love her, not just to say, well, she knows. And so God up there is wanting to see where you're at in your relationship with him. And it says that your heart follows your treasure. Well, God knows my heart, and he says, yeah, by your treasure. Hey, don't shoot the messenger. It's in the Bible. All right, here we go. All right. Come on, I'm feeling alone right now up here. Help me out some. And so for whatever reason, God tied those things together. The good thing for you and I is then we can know where our heart is. Because the reality is sometimes we think it's someplace that it's not. Oh, yeah, I'm good. How many times have we been in somewhere and we thought we were okay and then something happens? Well, I guess I really wasn't okay with that. I didn't realize that that was really there. I was thinking that. I thought it was something that it was. And so God created a test, which is tithe, T-I-T-H-E, means one-tenth or 10%, which 10 is the number of testing in the scripture. So God created a way that every time we get increase our wealth, that we can know where our heart is, which is good because we always want our heart with God. And God always wants our heart. 
And understand what we're going to talk about today. God is a God of order. And here's a powerful principle today, and I'm really passionate about this one. God is a God of order, and it shows where our heart really lies. And so when things are in proper order, we walk in the blessings of God. Because God is a God of order. Every area of our life. Let me put it this way. If God is first in your marriage, your marriage is the best it can be. If God is first, first place in your family with your rebellious kids or whatever, it's first place and you've created an environment of God first environment, it's, the ble- it's blessed. It's the best it can be. If God is first place in your finances, then it's the best and blessed it can be. Because God set it up that way. But he doesn't want to be someone on your list. He wants to be at the top of your list. Now, let me say it this way. If he's not at the top of your list, he's not even on your list. Because God doesn't play second fiddle to anybody. Why should she? Why should he? I mean, he's the creator. He's the savior, right? He's the redeemer. Everything we have, everything we are is his. So he owns no other place than first. So that's what he wants. But where do we put him? And that's part of what we're going to talk about. So the tithe helps to check our heart to see where it's at and gives us an opportunity to put God in the proper order. And can I tell you, things in life work best when they're in the right order. God's a God of order. So we're going to find ways maybe just to make some adjustments, to see where we are in that order, make some adjustments to make sure that we're getting life and things in the right order. Um, let, me, let me say how important that um, not only order, but doing what God's asking. So let me say, now everything that we're teaching here anytime, it's like we need to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer only. Well, that's great. I hear you. That sounds good and stuff. So I'm going to give you the importance and power of doing what God says. So if God says that we're to bring the tithe in the storehouse, if God says where your treasure goes, your heart will, if God says that he wants to be first in a proper order, anything we do in line in obedience with God's word, God's order brings a blessing. So we don't have to pursue blessing. We need to pursue order. We're chasing down all these things all the time when reality is maybe if we stop and do a heart check and get some things in the right order, we'll see those things change without us pursuing the change. And so here's what it says. Let me give you this. It's not in your notes. I'm going to read this out of Deuteronomy. Uh, So bear with me for a second here. It says this. uh, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands... The Lord your God will set you on high above all nations. All these blessings will come you and accompany you. Oh, great, I want them. How? If you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and young livestock, young and livestock. The calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks, your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction but flee in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and everything you put your hand to. The Lord God will bless you in the land he's giving you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people as he promised you on oath. If you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in obedience to him, then all the peoples on the earth will see that you're called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity and the fruit of your womb, the the young of your livestock and crops of your ground and the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. The Lord will open up the heavens and the, the storehouse of his bounty to send rain on your land and season to bless all the work of your hand. You will lend to many nations but borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail if you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them. You will always be on top and never at bottom. Do not turn aside from any commands that he gives you to the right or to the left. Follow the commands of God. Amen. Come on, he's a good God. He wants to bless you. But what's it gonna take? Well, pastor's gonna, obviously it's gonna take more prayer. Well, prayer is great. Yeah, do that. Maybe I should include some fasting because I'm going through. Yeah, fasting is awesome. We need to do that. Maybe if I come and get prayer from the, maybe pastor, you can stand in agreement. I'll stand in agreement with you. Absolutely. But can I tell you, just get your life in line with the word. 
do what God's saying to do in his word. Goes on to say this, if that wasn't convincing enough, Leviticus 26 says this, if you follow my decrees and carefully obey my commands, I will send you rain in its season and the ground will yield its crops and the trees their fruit. Your threshing will continue until grape harvest and the grape harvest will continue its planting. And you will eat all of, all of the food you want and live in safety in your land. I will grant peace in the land and you will lie down and no one will make you afraid. I'll remove the wild beasts from the land and the sword will not pass through your country. You'll pursue your enemies and they'll fall by the sword before you. Five of you will chase a hundred and and a hundred of you will chase 10,000 and your enemies will fall by before you. I will look on you with favor and make you fruitful and increase your numbers and I will keep my covenant with you. You will still be eating last year's harvest when you have to move it out of the way to make room for the new. I'll put my dwelling place among you. I will not turn from you. I'll walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with heads held high. Amen. Those are good promises of the Lord. I want to some of that. What, how, what class do I got to go to? What I got to do to that? You got to do the word. Do the word. He keeps saying over and over again, just to remind you, even in the midst of all the blessings, hey, obey what the Bible's telling you. I mean, it's, it's really important that we listen to God and get things in God's order. Again, the way you interpret what God says is with another scripture, with the Bible. So God backs it all up. So we talked last week about Malachi 3.10, bring the tithe in the storehouse and God will open the window of heaven. It, it's conditional. If you obey, the window gets open. And God opens, does the opening. God, you, therefore you do. You determine if it's opened or not based on obeying the principles of God's word. And no man, no circumstance, no boss, no paycheck, no economy, no government, no devil can keep it closed if you obey the things of God. You determine that. And so obedience opens the window. Uh, so make sure that you uh, look to God for everything. In fact, Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. So we want to talk about seeking first. The words we use today will be first fruits. How do we know if God's first in our life? Well, the Bible says we get a test every time we get increased to see where our treasure goes and where our treasure is, our heart will follow. So we know where our heart will go are things in the right order. And God's provided that way that we can do that because he's interested in order. Let me, let me illustrate with this story in 1 Kings. 1 Kings 17. 1 Kings 17. And let me give you a little back, background to it real quick. It talks about a time when the nation of Israel were in, that they hadn't reigned in three years. They were in a terrible drought, therefore they're in a terrible famine. And it's a terrible economy, if you will. Things are not going well. And God sends Elijah, his prophet, his man, to uh, a particular area where he's going to meet a widow. And she's a widow, so she's lost her husband. And she has one son, at least we only know of one son. The Bible doesn't mention another one. Things are so bad that she's just going to take the last of what they have, make a meal, and then die. There's no way, I guess the, the, what we'd understand, there's no way for her to get anything more. It's that bad, and she's right at the end. So here's what God does. He sends his prophet Elijah in verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I've directed a widow there to supply you with food. And so he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and asked, hey, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I can have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, oh, and hey, by the way, bring me a piece of bread, please. And she stops and says, 
sir, as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. I only have a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take them home, make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. There's no hope for anything else. And here's a widow and a single mom. And then the the man of God goes there and says, oh, hey, before you do anything else, before you do that, yeah, go ahead and bring me something to eat. And so he says this in 13. Elijah said to her in response to what her explanation said, hey, don't be afraid. Hey, it's going to take faith. I understand it. Don't be afraid. It's going to take faith. Go home and do as you've said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. In other words, get things in the right order. God's man is there to say, here's what God wants. He wants you to get the resources you have what you have out of what you have and get it in the right order. For this is what the Lord says, when things are in the right order, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. It's interesting that God sent his man, the man of God, the prophet of God, to a widow, single mom who had absolutely nothing and it doesn't seem right or fair. It's like, why, why God? Because there had to be people in the land that had more substance than she did. There's bound to be at least some wealthy people that had been storing up some stuff or another way for Elijah to be fed or to be taken care of. But yet God sent him to this widow. And I want to submit to you today that God did not send Elijah to the widow for the widow to feed Elijah. But God sent Elijah to the widow for her to get her resources in order so she could have more. I mean, if you read the same scripture I read, you give that, make that to the man of God first, and your jar of flour will not run out. Your jar of oil will not run out. In other words, let's just put it in natural terms today. You've all heard this statement before, this saying before. It's like, instead of, teach, instead of giving a man a fish, you teach him how to fish. God's not wanting just to rescue you out of one momentary tragedy or calamity in your finances or in your life. He wants you to have a blessed life. He's not looking for you to run to the emergency room of heaven every day to have prayer for something. Thank God for his grace and thank God for his mercy that we can do that. But he wants you to live a blessed life. He wants you to live a prosperous life. And it's by getting your life in line with his word and in order. He's not coming just to rescue you from one moment. He's trying to set you on a path of blessing. Amen? And so he goes and sends his man to this lady so this widow lady, single mom who has nothing, can get her resources in order so now she can have a life of blessing. It's not like just one, we're going to give her one more cake so she can live another week or whatever it is. God says, I'm going to take care of you. Get your resources in order. And I hope that you get this today. God's not looking to just try and bail you out of some some momentary financial crisis that we probably have got ourselves in, or even if we didn't cause it, somebody else said, thank God for his mercy and grace, but God wants you to understand order, and he wants you to do and operate in that way, because that's the path to blessing. Not that there won't be challenges or famines or drought in the land, and not that you won't be fearful at times, that's why it takes faith, but that if you do and obey the order and plan of God, he will take care of you. In the midst of a famine, a widow single mom had now a jar of flour that would not run out, a jar of oil that would not run out because her God helped her get her resources in order. That's God's plan. And it wasn't that God was needing that widow woman single mom with nothing to feed the man of God because he had many other ways. In fact, if you look in the passage of scripture before this encounter with the widow woman, in fact, we'll take in the, in the same chapter, uh, 1 Kings uh, chapter 17. If you'll look at verse 4, 
Here's what it says. And God sends um, Elijah to this brook to stay for a while. He says, you'll drink from the brook. And I've directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him, and he went to the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Do you realize before he went to see the widow woman that God took care of him through ravens, through birds, the birds fed him? It wasn't that God needed this widow woman to feed the man of God. God took care of him with birds. Come on. Right, you're reading the same passage of scripture, and then he encounters this widow woman, single mom, who has nothing. And then after the fact, it wasn't that God needed her to supply his need, because then afterwards, look at the passage of scripture in First Kings 19, verse five. It says this: Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, "Get up and eat." He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water, and he ate and drank and then lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Oreb, the mountain of God. So after the encounter with the widow woman, single mom who had nothing, God sends an angel to feed him. What was God doing with the widow woman? Because God could send birds and send angels to take care of his man. He was helping her get her resources in order, not just to position herself for a moment, but for a lifetime. Come on, guys. God wants to bless you for your life, but you have to get things in the proper order and do what he's asking you to do. And that's amazing to me. And so can I say this very, very carefully, very guardedly? The purpose behind the principles we talked about, the tithe and getting things in order, the principles of God. Because I know it's been used in, in, in abuse and stuff, and, and people in my profession, unfortunately, have used it for personal gain. It's not necessarily it is, but it's not. You're just saying that for the church. No, it's for you. I believe this, this church has been here over 37 years. I believe God will take care of this church. But it's for you. It's for you so you can be blessed. And he tells you how to do it so that you can be blessed. He says, then bring the tithe into the storehouse so there's meat in my house so we can do what God's called us to do. But understand when you do that and get things in order, the Bible goes on to say there that he opens the window of heaven. Now, understand this. It's not just about your finances. Get your life in order. Because what happens then, uh, sadly, uh, in chapter 17, just a few verses after uh, the, the widow woman came and, and gave him the cake and, and, and the water, her son got sick. Here's the thing. God knows everything from beginning to end. So God sent Elijah over there for more than just to get her resources in order so that she could have a resource supply. But all of a sudden in her life, her only son that we know about then died. And so what then Elijah did, and let's take a look at that, guys. What's that next passage right there? In verse 21, 1 Kings 17, 21, it says, Then Elijah, the man of God, then stretched himself out on the boy, and three times he cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. And the Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. And Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house, and he gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. Understand something. God's not just trying to help you with your resources. He's trying to recognize. Dead, he's trying to resurrect dead things in your life. And if your marriage is dead and dying, get everything in order and God will resurrect that thing. And if your relationship with your kid or your teen is dead and dying, get your things in order, your house in order, and God will resurrect that relationship. Whatever it is, God is in the business of resurrecting dead things. Amen. And when we put our life in order, God is there. 
Because understand, going back to Malachi 3.10, bring ye all the tithe in the storehouse and see, and test me in this, test me. If I will not open the window of heaven and pour forth a blessing you cannot contain. And then he says this also, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Do you know in this passage of scripture, God was rebuking the spirit of death on that boy. Do you know when you get your life in order, your marriage in order, everything in order, God will rebuke death. God himself. Come on, that's powerful right there. I'm not talking about just money here. I'm talking about get things in the proper order. Obey the principles of God. It's a principle of God. And God will do what he says he will do. Another story real quick, Genesis 4, 1 through 8. Most of us are familiar with the story of Cain and Abel. It talks about when Adam and Eve had two sons. They had Cain first and then Abel. Let me take a look right here, talking about the condition of our heart. Adam made, uh, loved his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I brought forth a man. Verse 2, later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Just as a side note, a lot of people think, a lot of theologians think, uh, the way it's worded is that they were both born right at the same time. A lot think that they were born perhaps twins. But nonetheless, they were born close enough together. They were raised together in the same house. They, they heard all the teachings of the parents. They saw the parents model everything when it came to sacrifices and offerings to God. And they're grown men. And it goes on to say, one kept flocks. Abel did. Abel was a rancher and Cain was a farmer. He worked the soil. In the course of time, interesting phrase, we'll come back to it. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord in the course of time. Abel also brought an offering, fat portions for some of the, what's that word? Firstborn. God's talking about order. He was taught this from his parents. Firstborn. He brought the firstborn to God. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But Cain in his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, upset, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said, Cain, what's your problem? What's going on? What's the matter with you? Why is your face downcast? And he said this in verse seven, if you'll just do what I said to do, it's not just follow my word, follow my principles that you've been taught. You're a grown man. You've been taught that by your parents. You've seen him do this. You know what you're supposed to do. Will it not be accepted? If you do what I'm asking you to do, listen, everything's gonna be okay. If you don't do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. You don't have to let it have you. You can rule over it by doing the right thing in the right way. Basically, is what he's saying. Now, Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out into the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked him and killed him. We know Cain killed Abel. And here's the thing. God was stressing the importance of having your heart right and getting things in the right order. Cain was out of order. We understand this because his offering was not accepted, but Abel's was. It wasn't because Abel was a rancher and God was a meat eater, not a vegetarian, right? Like a, a farmer, right? It wasn't that. It was that, that this says, in verse three says, in the process of time, Cain brought an Abel to God just anytime, just well, when I'll get around to it, just anytime I'll do it. And he brought some of his stuff. Abel, however, took some of the best stuff, the first stuff and said, God, I'm bringing this to you. I'm putting you first. You're my priority. I'm bringing you the good stuff. I'm bringing you the best stuff. And you know what God's interested in? He's interested in your heart, but he's interested in faith. When the prophet said to that lady, he said, make a cake for me first, God says. And that lady said, I'm afraid. And she, he said, don't be afraid. What is that? Faith. Step out in faith and trust God. You know, God responds to faith. God is a God of faith. Listen, the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. It takes faith to give your first fruit to God because you don't know if you're going to have anything else after that. 
So for Abel to bring the first of his flock to God, it's like, I'm trying to build a herd here, God, but I'm going to bring you this first animal. I don't have any other, but I hope one day too. It doesn't make any sense if I'm bringing you this one right here. I was going to use this one to build my herd, but now I don't have any, but I'm going to trust you with it. And God blessed and prospered him. Why? Because God's all about a God of order. Faith. It doesn't take faith to give, you, give God the last 10%. It doesn't give faith to give God what you have left over or when it's convenient to you, it makes you feel comfortable. In the process of time. I mean, what if, okay, I'm gonna go, go there and you're just gonna love me anyways. Okay, so my kids and stuff like that, my kids are like, well, I'll get around to it. No, I want you to do it now. I'm not real happy. I'll get it to it, Dad. Three days, yeah, it was three days ago. Come on, would you get it done? Come on. Cain's saying, in the process of time, when I was ready, when I felt like doing it, when I wanted to do it, I brought some stuff to God, and there it is. But Abel said, here, God, I'm honoring you first. I'm honoring you first. I'm thanking you first. I'm showing where my priority is first. God's a God of order. And that's everything in our life. So we're, we're, we're talking financially in some regard here. But understand, God has to be first in your marriage. God has to be first in raising your kids and your home. He has to be first in your personal walk. God has to be first. God first. God blesses the order, and then God blesses your obedience. And so as, as this goes back and forth with Cain and Abel, it's interesting to me that Cain gets mad. Can, you know, it's, this is, this is kind of, it's not funny, it's kind of sad, but you know, when other people get blessed, sometimes we get a little upset about that. Why do they, why do they get blessed all the time, the high and mighty people over there or whatever? Well, it might just be that they have things in the right order. And maybe you're not getting blessed, and you're frustrated and anger, angry because you're blaming everybody else, but the truth is that you haven't checked your heart in a while to see where that is and got it in line with God. But we want to get mad and blame the, we blame the devil. It wasn't for the devil. If I just had a better job, if I just made more money, if I just had, was born on the right side of the tracks instead of the wrong side of the tracks, if I just had different parents, if I just had this. Listen, that's Cain, and he's blaming everything else. But God says, just get what, out of what you have and get it in the right order. And just get what you have. God's, God wants you to give out of what you have, not out of what you don't have. But just get what you have in the right order. Because I'm, I'm looking at your heart. Well, how do we know Cain's heart? Well, we, we look at that passage, but let me back it up because the Bible interprets the Bible. Jude one eleven. Jude one eleven says this. How do we know the condition of Cain's heart? Well, the Bible says this in Jude one eleven. There's only one chapter in Jude, by the way. Woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. They're speaking of Cain and Abel. They're referring to the actions of a group of people following the, the way of Cain. And they have rushed for profit. Another translation says greed into Balaam's ear. And they have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. So here's people that have been ruled by greed and rebellion. And they're saying they're acting the same way Cain acted. What does that speak to? That Jude reveals the condition of Cain's heart all the way back to Genesis 4. Well, what about Abel then? What was Abel's heart like? Well, I'm jumping around in scripture here, but let me give you Hebrews 11, 4. Guys, if you don't mind, then we'll go back to that one. Talking about what about Abel's heart? By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice, giving him the firstborn than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. He was in right. He was doing it in the proper order, the way God had instructed God testified of his gifts, accepted his gift because of the order in his heart, and through it, he being dead still speaks, meaning God is still honoring Cain's order and life long, I mean, Abel's long after he's been gone. And can I tell you, if nothing else, hear me on this, my heart's desire as a parent to do everything I can, and I don't always get it right, but to get things in the right order and keep it there, not just for my well-being, but for my children, and my children's children, and my children's 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 children. 
So God's still honoring Abel's gift in the right, with the right heart and the right order. It still speaks long after he's gone. And God honors that. God is a faithful, faithful God. It takes faith to give the first. It takes faith to give the first 10%. Let me look and uh, let me give you these two scriptures here in Proverbs real quick. Proverbs 19.3 says this. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then they're angry at God. And I, I thought that was a great scripture because like, listen, the ball's in your court. What are you going to do? I mean, what are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do with the situations that you're walking in? Do what you need to do, following the principles of God and get them in the right order. And yes, it's going to take faith. But can I tell you, without faith, it is impossible to please God. But we are people of faith. Amen? We walk by faith and not by sight. We fight the good fight of faith. Amen? We're saved by faith through grace. It's, we are people of faith. That's who we are. And God loves and honors faith. So the right order keeps our heart in the right place. Yeah, it's going to take faith to do it. But step out and take that step of faith. God is a faithful, faithful God. Amen? Amen. Uh, let's look at these uh, two really Genesis. I mean, two in Genesis, and then I'll wrap it up. Genesis uh, 22.10. So here's a story. I love this story. And this is Abraham. I think it's such a powerful illustration. Abraham, God promised would make the, he would make him the father of many nations. Abraham and his wife, Sarah, had a, had a child when they were 190. She, he was 100. She was 90. Way past childbearing ages. But God gave them a miracle son and said, you'll be the father of many nations. Then later on, God says, I want you to sacrifice Isaac to me, and then Abraham had to be wrestling with, but it's our only son. It was a miracle son you gave us, and if I'm going to be the father of many nations, and my seed will be as many as the stars in the sky, as numerous as the pebbles of sand on the beach, and how does it make sense, God? But nonetheless, I trust you, so God told him to take up Take him up to the mountain, sacrifice him. Here's what he said in verse 10. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And he said, and, uh, and verse 11 says, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay a hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Another translation says, now I know your heart. I see your heart. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me, since you have not withheld your first, since you have made me the priority, since you have your heart in the right place, since you have things in order, I see your heart. And he said, do not do this because I see your heart. When it goes on to say this then in verse 13, it says this, and Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. Now listen, what happened is when Abraham was willing to give things in the right order, willing to show God where his heart is, then God took care of it. He didn't go without. You never go without when you give to God. He provides abundantly above on what you can ask, hope, or think. The Bible says, good measure, pressed down, sh shaking to God, running over. So God was interested in his heart. When he showed God his heart, by getting things in the proper order and being obedient to what God was saying. God provided the sacrifice in the, in the bushes, but then the angel also said, and because we see the condition of your heart, we're going to bless you now with blessings. And then he goes on to say, because we see the condition of your heart, your seed will bless all the nations of the earth. Because he got things in the right order. He got his heart lined up with God's will, God's way. And so God not only blessed him in that moment, God blessed all his future generations so we looked at the Old Testament, and right as we're closing here, I want you to understand the Old Testament is a foreshadowing of the New Testament. We interpret the Scripture both using the Scripture. The Old Testament points to the New Testament, 
the New Testament grace, which is represented by Jesus. In the New Testament, we talk about firstborn and firstfruits, but it's represented really by Jesus. Take a look at this. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 says this. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the what? First fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Jesus has become the first fruits. It goes on to say this in Colossians. He is the image of the invisible God, the what? The firstborn over all creation. Do you realize that in the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as the first fruits? Jesus is referred to as the firstborn, meaning God who set up a, a principle of the first, of honoring God with the first. He operated that way for you and I because he loved us so much. He gave his first fruits. He gave his firstborn. He sacrificed that. Why? So you and I could be redeemed. So you and I could be the harvest that God was seeking. And so he gave his firstborn so you and I could be blessed and redeemed. Come on. I mean, God himself operates by this principle. And if he wouldn't operate by this principle, where would we be? Because there's a curse on this world. When the enemy came in and Adam gave up dominion and rights, a curse came on this world. That's why we need to operate in the principles of God because then we operate under the blessing of God. If we choose not to, we voluntarily then operate under the curse of this world and everything in this world needs to be redeemed. You and I need to be redeemed. We could not save ourselves. So Jesus, God's first fruit, was sent to the earth uh, to die so that you and I could be redeemed. We're the harvest. We're the blessing. So anything given to God, that portion given to God, then redeems the rest of what you have. That's why when we say that 10% that you give unto the Lord, what does it do? It redeems the 90. And that's why the 90 redeemed or blessed of the Lord will go farther than the 100 unredeemed or not blessed ever will. Ever will. It's a principle in God's word. God honors that. God's a faithful God. You know what God does? He watches over his word to perform it. But I have a need. I'm desperate. I didn't have the advantages. And God has to see that. God, you know what God does? He watches over his word to perform it. But what are you going to do with it? We need to be doers of the word. God is a faithful God. Amen? So I just want to encourage you to position yourself under the blessing of God. Get things in your life in God's order. And he will provide and protect you and your family. Because he is a good and faithful God. Amen. Let's pray. My heart, my hope. And today and in this series was just to present the word to you and God's principles, looking from an internal delight instead of an external obligation. And then looking at the word in a way that we can understand the principles God is expressing so that if we get our life in order, we get things in order, we follow the word of God, we're doers of the word, we understand that God's blessing will be upon our life, his provision, his protection. And here's what I know, God always does what he says he will do. We just have to do our part. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.